Welcome to the Conscious Craft Podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Hannah. And we are two health coaches on a mission to create a happier world, one thought, one breath, and one bite at a time. We are kicking stress to the curb, and we're not going to take life so seriously. No, and we'd love for you to join, because we're all about community, and we want you to be a part of ours. So head over to the show notes and follow us on social media. We'd love to connect. super excited to have Taylor Klump here today. You are a mental health counselor, an athlete, a bodybuilder, and you're helping people optimize all areas of their life. So we're super, super excited. We connected on Instagram of all places, and we can't wait to connect more with you. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to come chat with y'all. Absolutely. It's amazing now with the world of social media, how you can just connect with so many amazing like-minded people. We were just talking about this briefly before we started, but do you want to dive into a little bit how you got started on social media and sharing your mission and your message? Yes. So much like all of our lives, um, it began as something different and it just kind of evolved into what it is today. So I began kind of the social media world as I began competing, kind of sharing my journey doing that. Um, And then I began to realize that that wasn't really my space per se. And while I continued doing bodybuilding and all of that, the message I wanted to share of my message really um, began to shift and evolve. So I kind of adapted as I kind of began to have that sit with me and I'm like, this isn't feeling right anymore. This isn't uh, aligning with myself and what I want to do. So I just kind of began opening up and sharing things that I was experiencing in my personal life, things I was learning in school, and just kind of providing a platform for other people to hear my message. And in turn, I started getting a lot more people responding to me, saying that what I was sharing was helping them or giving them deeper insights or allowing them to kind of start on the track of something self-awareness and then wanting to kind of further go down into that so it really kind of evolved that's amazing that's amazing so you did you study mental health in school to become a mental health counselor you got your Mm -hmm. master's Mm -hmm. so I started off with my bachelor's in family systems so that's where I began with my own psychology and then I went on to get my master's right afterwards in clinical mental health counseling Amazing. So did you, was there a particular reason that you were drawn to mental health and studying mental health? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, in school, I always struggled finding kind of where my place was, where I fit. I wasn't especially good at math or science or anything. Nothing really stuck to me that I was super passionate about. And when I went to my undergrad, I was kind of just going around taking some classes that I needed to, and I stumbled on relationships in the 21st century class. Mm-hmm. And that was my aha, it just, it clicked moment. I was like, this is where I need to be. This is what I'm good at, this is what I'm called to do. So that's kind of how I began that. And then once I kind of, I felt that internally, I'm like, okay, we're gonna go with that. And then that kind of turned into, you know, then the next question people always want to know is, well, what are you going to do with this? And it's like, yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> I'm working on it. Let me figure it out. <laughs> right. And so the more I kind of 
began opening those doors and kind of allowing myself to breathe and figure out what it was that I felt called to do. I'm like, okay, so then therapy, that's where I want to go with this. I want to help people more and deeper. I'm like, okay. So then I just began going head first and with that. And I'm sure starting to be more authentic and sharing your story on social media has been able to be a great guide into what direction to go for you and what people mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, and that's something I'm always, I'm always learning because my social media is a platform for me to share what I'm experiencing, some things that other people are experiencing. But ultimately, that's something throughout I've, that I've learned throughout this whole process and counseling guide is it's never what I think other people need. Mm-hmm. Um, people might come to me for advice, but I, it's not... I can't dictate and be the one that tells someone what they need for their life mm-hmm. and that that's not up to me to say you, you for sure need this. It's okay. Well, what do you think you need? And mm-hmm. exploring that more with them. So do you feel like when you share most of your personal experiences that people gravitate and latch on to that more than anything else? I find it's kind of a mix. It was something that I kind of struggled with at first sharing some personal things um just because I kind of I'm like okay let's have some boundaries here and I don't want to be sharing my heart and soul on social media to an extent like I like sharing my personality and who I am but all my struggles and stuff sometimes it's kind of a, a block for me because I see some other people doing it and sometimes it kind of strikes me as just like a little too much I'm like oh god let's let's put some boundaries <laughs> yeah yeah put together in place we don't need to know about every you know, nook and cranny of your life. But mm-hmm. I have found that when I'm open up, when I open up and I do share a little bit more personal things, it kind of allows people to relate to me on a human level because yeah. that's obviously what I am is human before I'm anything else. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think that's really important to recognize too, is that there are, you see so many faces and personalities and people on social media and it's easy to make assumptions and not recognize hey we're all just humans in Mm -hmm. this space trying to relate to each other right well and that's something I definitely try not to shy away from is my humanness I'll you know talk about silly things that I do or just anything because I think for a lot of people it is a highlight reel and for me I don't try to make it a highlight reel at all I post goofy pictures and me doing stuff that doesn't make sense or just like outtake pictures or whatever just because I think it's funny to like I laugh at myself when I'm talking to this I'm like what a goober yeah and like if it brought me like I always say I think I'm funnier than anybody else will ever find me but that's okay I'm like you know so I at least if, if no one else is laughing at me I am so like, but I, we can totally we can totally relate to that we do that all the time we're like well we think this is funny so I don't know if anyone else is gonna laugh funny yeah yeah exactly well, at least we're laughing over here I'm with you I support, I support. Yeah. um so one of the things that you talk about is that you have an extra dose of passion for trauma work um and that how our brains and bodies store unprocessed information can you elaborate a little bit on where that passion comes from and and what about it draws you Yes. So I started, oh, I have goosebumps right now. I'm just when you're right now, even though it's my I'm like, oh, I love that so much. <laughs> um, so after I graduated, I began getting trained in EMDR. Mm, so I awesome. am EMDR trained, which for those of you who don't know, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. So that's where I began kind of that journey of, oh my gosh, what is this 
gold mine that I've discovered yeah. in the world of trauma. And, you know, trauma, the word used very loosely because it's just any mild disturbance, the way we process information and the way we store memories. And how you can take two people who have gone through the same situation, they could be identical twins, have the same biology, you know, pretty close and all that. And they could have, their lives could wind up totally differently, even if they were subjected to the same environmental experiences and toxins and all of that. So I just found that super interesting and fascinating how sometimes it's all our perception. Our perception is our reality. So what we perceive and how it is processed in our brains sometimes. Um, so if we see something, you know, mildly that walks by, our brain says, okay, you know, that's not important or, you know, just it, the way it filters it. But then other times it sees something and like in a traumatic experience and it doesn't fully process it. It gets stuck. And so when it gets stuck in our brain, we then find certain things triggering that and us responding off of the same system. And that's found, you know, brain, brain scans showing that too, even when um, like the trauma narrative was reread um, in the brain scans, people's brains were lighting up on fire as if they were actually experiencing the trauma in that moment. And so even though it was years later, you know, love the book, but the body keeps the score. The body always knows, hey, something's going on here, fight, flight, freeze, whatever it is, the body always knows. Mm -hmm. And until we can work through and actually process that information and adapt, have it adapt into our lives, um, we'll continue to respond off of that same subsystem in all areas of our life whenever that's triggered. Absolutely. I think that's so important for people to realize that trauma, which, you know, most people can't escape trauma, you know, small mm -hmm. traumas or big traumas, but it does get lodged into your body. And when you're, you're processing that later on, either subconsciously or consciously, your body doesn't know the difference between reality and imagined, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're almost physically going through it again. Mm-hmm. Re-experience. Right. Yeah. Which... Right, definitely, which is one of the things why I was so fascinated with EMDR is because, you know, we're found in traditional talk therapy or even before I was even fully getting involved in the therapeutic process with it, but just from what other clinicians were saying, what the research was saying is you can take someone with trauma and have them sit and talk about it all day and they don't, it won't do the same thing in part because then when someone's re-experiencing trauma, we know like Rofa's area turns off completely, so they're unable to speak essentially and find the words to describe what's going on when someone is being triggered and activated like that so to constantly go through and just to try to talk it out well that might not always be the best methods and you're putting somebody in the trauma essentially and exposing them for it for long periods of time and then trying to repackage it and send them on the way versus EMDR it's for short windows of tolerance keeping them inside there make sure they're not going hypoarousal hyperarousal things like that so can you explain a little bit to those who aren't familiar a little bit more about what EMDR is and how it works with our brain? Mm -hmm. So EMDR, um, Dr. Francine Shapiro, she discovered that when she was going on a walk one day and her eyes began moving rapidly, that she began feeling less distressed. And something that she was kind of thinking about was bothering her suddenly didn't seem like such a bother anymore. Mm. So she went and kind of began this little path that she did and essentially what we found is through rapid eye movement it's kind of what's triggered during REM sleep so our eyes move side to side we believe this is where like all our dreams occur in that state just kind of when our bodies tries to work through a lot of our memories and things that happen throughout our day 
waltz and then through EMDR, we're using bilateral stimulation, so either visual with eyes, auditory, or tapping. They make cool little buzzy things these days too. And um, so using that to, so it's essentially, it's like you're in REM sleep except you're conscious, so you're able to actually process the information as opposed to it kind of being activated but just sticking there. So you're using that to integrate it into your life. Are your eyes open or closed? They're this? open. They're open. Okay. Can you not see them? Oh, oh, I think them right now. Okay. <laughs> my eyes open. <laughs> yes, your, your eyes are open. Yeah. Are, are you looking at me right can you now? See us right now? <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, is it really shadowy? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Your eyes are open. They're open. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I ask that because um, in, when I meditate, there's it doesn't happen very often, but when I do meditate and I get to like a really heightened state, my mm-hmm. eyes will flutter. So I don't know if that mm-hmm. was related. Kind of curious about that because I think it is. Mm-hmm. It is kind of related to your deep sleep state. Mm-hmm. Super definitely, it definitely is when you're kind of seeping more into that stage of relaxation. Because mm-hmm. I've had that before too when I've began meditating and I've almost actually. Like, I did start to, like, fall asleep. Like, it was so deep, I felt like I was almost in a light sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When you're really killing it, the meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to get up from this. Amazing. <laughs> hours later. <laughs> well, so that, I mean, that's a really great tool for people who have experienced trauma um, as a different way to formulate this type of therapy as opposed to just talk therapy if talk therapy isn't something that that works for them in that type of situation. Um, Nowadays, we're hearing so much more about people suffering from anxiety. It's almost a norm now. If you don't have anxiety, what's wrong with you? So have you you noticed with your um, with your clients, with your patients, a common thread between the anxiety that is coming up for people? Um, so I'm, uh, anxiety is a common thing. I also think we kind of hype up anxiety a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like when, even if you watch any lovely reality TV and they're like, I am, I just have such anxiety. Like it becomes right. like a new yeah. trend to be so anxious. Exactly. Like, what I'm finding is happening within a lot of people in their anxiety is that it's a lot of, well, the whole nutritional aspect of it is in what the research that's being done there and shown is I'm completely amazed by that and kind of trying to go down that path as well. Just our gut health and how that directly impacts anxiety and depression. Absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of people's anxiety comes, comes from a lot of a place of, lacking self-awareness and the ability to really let their thoughts breathe mm-hmm. because when we because when we can sit and kind of let our thoughts breathe and be like okay who do I want to be in this situation who and we, and we can really dissect our life like that it allows you to view things a little bit more differently so I think just we've kind of began to get away from taking the time to do the things that we need to do and our tools and our resources that we have, but things like our phones. That's the first things people are waking up and grabbing in their morning is their cell phone and they're turning on the TV, the news, and it's like 
we're not really giving ourselves the time to evaluate what our needs are in situations and what we're feeling. I think that's really powerful because that is such a common trend now for people to just reach to all of these different outlets and not check in with themselves right from the first thing in the morning. So their day is actually being dictated by other people's agenda as opposed to their Mm -hmm. own, which Mm -hmm. can bring on anxiety for a lot of people. Well, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like, no wonder why you would be anxious. Like, the first thing you wake up at whatever time in the morning and you're getting bombarded from something from work or you know, an email from school or it's like, whatever it is, it's like, yes, no wonder why you're anxious. That's why I take my time in the morning. I meditate. I don't touch my phone for the first at least 30 minutes, but usually I'll go through my entire like morning routine that I have without touching it. By the time I get there, like it, no matter what happens, I'd be like, today is great. Like it's like the equivalent of just having like a few glasses of wine. I'm like, I don't care whatever happens today. I'm in a great mood. Right. I love everybody. The world is awesome. Like, yes. you're, you're just in such a positive place that you're like, okay, even if today, even if things do come up, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I got this. I'm I'm strong and I believe in myself. I love that. Could you walk us through your morning routine? Mm-hmm. So I, it's something that I have been kind of playing with for a while. Um, but so I'll wake up early, usually like 3.30 or somewhere in there. 3.30 a.m.? Yes. I cap <laughs> myself because if not, I would probably find myself waking up a lot earlier. And I'm working on condensing what I'm doing a little bit, um, but I'll wake up and usually I'll meditate. So I have um, like the Insight Timer app, I'll use that. Um, so you can do either like guided meditations or just, uh, I like to do just, um, they'll have like a, you can set it to where you can have like a bell at the beginning and the end and then like a, a noise in between. So I like the rainfall or something. I'd like to just, I need something to kind of set myself to and to breathe to. So I'll mm-hmm. do that for a few minutes. And then I have a gratitude list that I go to and then I'll go through all of that. And I'll write my affirmations down, things like that. Um, what I get to do today, I get myself hyped for the opportunities that I get to have today and do things like that. And then I'm a huge visualizer. So I'm visualizing um, what I see for myself in the future, um, competition-wise. And then I'm kind of going through a whole kind of program that I'm creating for athletes and kind of testing that out on myself first. Nice. Uh, that I'll be talking about later once I fully kind of use that so oh that's so cool I'm super interested to learn more about that I come from an (laughs) athletic background too and I know that you had said I saw on your social media that you worked with your coach was a a sports psychologist right Mm -hmm. did you learn a lot of tools and techniques from him as a coach yes so that was that was um when I was in college in my undergrad I was a pole vaulter and he, yes, our vault coach is a sports psychologist and very intelligent man. But like I kind of said in that post a little bit, I wasn't quite in my self-development journey enough yet to really be open to fully being aware because we would do these practice sessions and these like mental rehearsals. Why well, I found myself getting more anxious when I was doing these practice sessions. I'm like, how is it that I'm supposed to be relaxed right now? And I'm getting more anxious. And then I began realizing, because I wasn't giving myself enough time to breathe through my thoughts any other point in the day. So it's like as soon as I did intentionally try to relax, my brain was just 
going haywire essentially and yeah. wasn't able to get out what was going on. So I can totally relate to that. We had a sports psychologist in school too. I played tennis in college. We had this amazing sports psychologist, and I'm looking back, I'm like, God, if I had just committed to those things that he was teaching us, like meditation and visualization, mm-hmm. like who knows what you could have done. But mm-hmm. really I know, cool. and I'm a firm believer of that because I've watched my life. I mean, I'm talking drastically improve month by month the things that I've been able to bring into my life just by making a conscious choice to believe in myself and to get just religious with the process of everything that I involve mm-hmm. that I consume in my life physically like food wise things that I'm consuming also just information that I'm consuming as well so I think I think because we aren't really taught that at a young age if we were taught that more in schools it wouldn't be weird if you had a teacher or a you know sports psychologist say okay let's meditate versus you know for the first time for 18 19 and someone's telling you to meditate for the first time like Psh, what is this not right. like, what do you mean meditate what am I supposed to think about nothing you know like they don't we I didn't know like when I first started I'm like what am I supposed to do with all this but it, it it's because it's foreign to us we're not taught it so if we normalized it more and was like okay I'm gonna take some time here to do what I need if we took more time validating our own needs and kind of encourage that in our kids and in our school systems then we would have a more self-aware generation oh I cannot agree with that more that is, right. that is such a big passion of ours is trying to teach the younger generation too because it's so much easier to learn and incorporate into your lives when you mm-hmm. have it for so many years. Not to mm-hmm. say that you can't bring it in at any point in your life, right. but to have that practice and to know it and understand it and to normalize it I think is super powerful. Right, right, right. right. So, and that's, because I mean, that's something, because our, our poor teachers, not only do they become a teacher, they become a parent in a lot of ways, they become, you know, the rule maker, they become, and for some kids, the most stable system and support system that this child will ever know. So, you know, a lot of things fall onto our teachers and our education system. But I mean, the reality is, it's like, that's a great place for our kids to learn emotional regulation skills that they're not learning at home. Because, you know, everything that's going on there. So if they're learning how to emotionally regulate themselves, how to communicate what's going on, how to validate what's going on within themselves internally, how much more that would set them ahead and just in a, in a much more peaceful place to be able to critically think and problem solve and do all the other tasks that we are asked to do throughout the day. So, so It's so important. And I also was a high school tennis coach, and I kind of saw firsthand the state of especially girls and their mental health. It's honestly quite uh, freaky and <laughs> scary. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to some statistics that depression has gone up 62% since 2010 for girls mm-hmm. in high school. And I think I attribute it's, they attribute it to social media. So, you know, if they had these tools built into school where they could learn these things rather than using, you know, I have anxiety as the excuse and then getting prescribed a prescription pill for it, even if you, (laughs) not to, really went down a rabbit hole here, Um, (laughs) but if they had, don't don't get me going on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You know, if they even if you didn't get rid of the prescription pills and you just had some tools like meditation and mindfulness that were taught in school, think how drastically these statistics would change. So hopefully with time and 
with people like yourself on social media talking about it, I think we'll, we'll start to see some change, hopefully. Right. And a lot of people to just really get those tools and those resources to say, you know, okay, I have a list of things I can pull from. I know I'm feeling, you know, this way. How did I feel this way another time? And what did I do? I can have a list of things to be like, okay, I know I can go for a walk right now. I know I can choose to say, wait, I need to take a step away for a second. This isn't making me feel so great. You know, to have a, a list of things to default to when you're needing to kind of back up and regulate yourself. Right, right. Well, and this all this all ties into just becoming more self-aware. And I know that's mm-hmm. something that you talk about a lot is self-awareness and how you can overcome so much by becoming more aware of yourself and your own mm-hmm. actions, your own emotions, and what you're going through in that process. Um, so what are some of the things that you recommend to people to help them become more self-aware? Mm-hmm. So the idea of self-awareness and being able, for me, what, what that journey looked like for me was to be able to sit with my own thoughts and to be able to understand and interpret what was really going on for me in my life. What were the stories that I was telling myself? What was, you know, true, false, whatever it was, what was influencing my life? And I had to take a hard look at what I wanted to do in my life and where I wanted to go. So for me, that began being able to sit with my own thoughts and say, what do I need in this situation? So for me, that began just taking walks and just kind of allowing myself to think the note section in my phone is just filled to the max with, you know, (laughs) just things that I would just kind of think out and write out. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, this is what's making me uncomfortable. This is what's making me happy. So being able to sit with your thoughts, first of all, um, which can be increased through meditation and mindfulness, which to kind of feed off of those, again, the whole thing of um, setting some boundaries in your life when you use your cell phone when you don't. So for me, not using it first thing in the morning, because that's when we know our brains and most of that theta brainwave state where you're almost in hypnosis state. So it's like, it's really critical at that point in your morning to choose as much as you can what you allow into your life and to influence you first thing off the bat. So that's something, that's what I found the most critical is that first time in the morning to just be able to sit with my thoughts the most to figure out what I'm grateful for in my life what what things are going for me what things what are my strengths and just really going with that so anytime that I can sit with okay what makes me happy what do I know doesn't make me happy and okay what part what part about me is having an issue with that where is that kind of coming from too so to be able to know my story and own it and know okay this is something I kind of need to work through here some of my self-awareness tips yeah super super powerful going back a little bit to that that pharmaceutical conversation that we started to go down um so I'm, I'm assuming from your comment that you're not a huge I mean not please let, let us know but not a huge believer in pharmaceuticals or maybe just for specific instances what are your thoughts on that I think for each person it's going to be different I would never I don't have enough knowledge and the in my background to say pharmaceuticals are indefinitely bad I think they serve a purpose for some people mm-hmm. um, they can help and they can help bring people to a point of therapy however essentially what you're doing is masking a condition um, with a medication so while you can take that feeling out where that still is coming from is still there and so it still is a symptom that needs to be treated essentially 
Exactly. And what we've noticed, I mean, same thing, pharmaceuticals, there is a time and place for them for sure and can really help people in huge ways. But a lot of these pharmaceutical drugs have symptoms. An anti-anxiety medication, a side effect is depression. Right. So then these girls are often prescribed an antidepressant with the anti-anxiety medication. Right. Ass backwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And seeing, well, yeah, especially and then seeing how young people are being prescribed things instead of going through and figuring out what's going on in their life. Yeah, and honestly, it's a huge reason why we started this CBD company, just to, so that people at least had another option that, mm-hmm. you know, is natural, comes from the earth, doesn't have any mm-hmm. side effects. So are there any... Any supplements or that you would recommend any clients or that you use for yourself to at least just help get them out of that state? Um, so, I yes, I do use your CBD oil as well. And so I, I found that that helps a lot because then the research shows, even for athletes, for muscle recovery and everything mm-hmm. like that, that helps. Um, I found for me personally, I don't have trouble sleeping, but taking it right before bed, it is great. For right before bed, um, I've taken melatonin before, and that's really messed with my dreams. And yeah, maybe as I wake up feeling even more groggy, mm-hmm. CBD will for me personally did not do that. I loved it, so I take that every night. And then it, just looking at your vitamins, what is what kind of nutrients are you intaking? Because a lot of our symptoms are actually caused by what's going on in our diets, too. And yeah. the kind of that mental fog that we have going on, and that's like our bodies are kind of screaming, you know, we're lacking something, we need some nutrients here and then you know again what's our what's our support system like what is what is our home life like how do we view the world because that's a lot of what's going to be going on too for these these symptoms especially that we're seeing in this younger generation is crazy yeah I think that's a huge point of how you see the world I mean your perception like you said is your reality mm-hmm. and we do see the world through these filters and it's so mm-hmm. important to become aware of what filters are you looking through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely well and I think too because for a lot of kids you know their home life if they're having parents that are reinforcing negative beliefs about themselves too mm-hmm. you know then that's that's kind of a huge area where things are can be coming from if they're saying something about themselves and you know parents or if they're having trauma at home or previous childhood trauma it's like that all just stacks up yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you you've shared a lot with us about your journey and how you got to this point um in your practice was there any type of pivotal moment that you experienced when you realized, okay, this is really... Because I know you, you were talking about how you were doing bodybuilding and then you weren't sure, even in your social media, if that was the space that you wanted to be in. And in college, you were trying to figure out what space you wanted to be in. Was there a pivotal moment that you had that you really shifted and you just knew, okay, this is the work that I'm meant to do. This is, this is what I need to be doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as I was going through my program um, and my master's, I was trying to kind of figure out what I wanted my future to look like, where I was going to go. And I never really had a desire to travel or not to travel, but to move to a different state, try anything new like that. And one of my friends, um, I was, she was doing a clinical rotation. She had done one in Pittsburgh and then she was doing another one in New York. Well, I was getting ready to drive her to New York. We stopped in Pittsburgh for the night and then drove to the rest of the way the next morning. And on that drive the next morning, all of a sudden it just like, it hit me as I was driving and like, 
I need to like I need to move. I need to travel. Like I I feel like I'm that is what I need to do in my life. I need to go somewhere else, see a different place. I, I needed some kind of different experience. So that was okay, I had that feeling. I had no idea what that was going to look like. I didn't know if it was a different job. I didn't even know if it would be in the same career. I'm like, I have no idea. All I know is I have this feeling and I need to go with that. So each time that I kind of had one of these feelings, I just go with it. So it started as, okay, I have this feeling. I'm going to go with that. Then it was um, with EMDR. I'm like, okay, so I want to do that. I'm going to go with that. Then I just opened myself up and I began applying to jobs all across the country. And that's great. Um, yes. And so then one of the positions, I, I mean, I was in Tennessee, Virginia Beach, Dallas, and there's one in Missouri. And I'm like, okay, so I had gone around flying, and one of the, one of the positions I really wanted was in a private practice. And because I didn't want to work in an agency per se, I'm like, I just I don't feel like that's kind of my calling. I need a little bit more freedom, and uh, private practice work was what I had envisioned for myself that I wanted to do and that was one area that I got a call for and um, I actually got the job because um, it was a rather interesting email to receive but a lot of um, to backtrack a little bit a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my classmates they wanted to travel to and go to different states um, they quickly began saying nobody wants you right after you graduate nobody um, wants to employ someone who isn't fully licensed which isn't true because a lot of places love picking the people that are fresh out of school because they can pay them a lot less. So yeah. either way, you're at like two. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want, you're like, so do I take a job making $30,000 or nobody wants me, you know, so you're kind of like stuck in this weird limbo. Right. And so I was kind of like, hey, if you, like if that's the story y'all want to tell yourself, you can go with that, but like you keep that over there. I'm going to do what I can find. Yeah. And so I got this job on a whim because I started applying everywhere and so unless it said do not apply unless you are fully licensed because at that point I had taken my NCE I'm a nationally certified counselor so it's like I had that I was I'm licensed to practice without being fully licensed right you know there's like that weird in-between stage so okay so that's where I was so I did have a license I just didn't have my full license so I'd be like eh, I don't really know like unless they specifically said LPC only I'm like okay then I won't apply but so I got an email from um, my now supervisor and she's like, I just wanted to um, let you know, like, did you know that you applied for a position that you're underqualified for? Like, also, what's your phone number? Um, I'd love to chat with you. So I ended up getting the position just because, like, I thought that was really bold that you would apply for something that you weren't that's qualified awesome. for. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of how I began was just always kind of getting these feelings and turning towards it and running with it. Yeah. So I of continue doing that even with bodybuilding and everything else that I'm doing it's like as I evolve and as my dreams evolved I begin my goals evolved I wholeheartedly accept it and I non-judgmentally validate what I'm feeling like okay you want to do this go for it go for it and I just keep moving instead of waiting for answers to come I because I used to be everything has to make sense everything has to be mm -hmm. perfectly timed and perfectly planned but it's like go for it and things fall into place as they're supposed to Yes. That's amazing. And really just following your intuition. Which which that's what I'm saying in my self-awareness journey. I was never at a point previously where I would I was able to validate that. To where I was able to say, man, I'm really uncomfortable in this situation. Or I really don't feel like this is something I want. I'm scared. I would do a lot of things out of fear. To um, And now fear is like, I love fear in terms of, I know that that's my mechanism. And it's where I look at it. Okay, am I actually in danger right now? Or... 
because if not, if I'm not in danger right now, then like whatever that's telling me fear, like I have to go towards it because like I refuse to have fear in my life of just undermining myself and thinking I can't do something. So it's like, okay, if I'm uncomfortable with this, if I'm second guessing myself, guess what? You got to man up, you got to do it. So yeah, nice. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Well, yes. we, we could continue this conversation for so much longer, but we are just <laughs> running out of time right now. Um, where can where can people find you if they want to look you up, connect with you? Instagram, at Holistic Bliss, with a W. That is where I will be. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for spending the time with us today. We love chatting with you. We'll have to have you on again. Definitely. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to yes. chat with y'all. Yes. We'll have to stay connected. Yes. Yay, social media. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye.